Welcome to Saturday Strategy, the business show for the small and mighty. This is your host, Johnny Themans. Hi, welcome and thanks for joining us for this edition of Saturday Strategy, the original podcast for business owners who want to cut the crap and get the answers. I'm Johnny and I'm your host and we've got some great information in today's episode. So if you're driving or just getting on with other stuff, remember all the links and more information is in are in the show notes. Now, what we're going to be looking at today, and it'll be particularly relevant for you if you've got a team, um, even if that team is a team of two or a team of 10 or a team of 50, this is really, uh, really great because we have that um, elusive um, challenge that we've all got, which is to be the leader that we want to be. And uh, we've got a real expert on today who's going to take us into that, as well as um, some really practical um, steps and, and a really practical tool as well um, that can help us to um, to, to, to address that area and uh, and help us to sort of gain some advantage in our business. One of the problems we have running small companies, particularly where we've got a team, is that that uh, desire to be a brilliant leader, um, as well as managing our business day in, day out, controlling the strategy, overseeing growth, but being a great leader to that team of people. And in a small company, those people often become a bit like family. And so being the leader of the family, as it were, can be quite a hard challenge for us. Um, And particularly being objective and being able to sort of measure this or, or understand what the impact of it is. And we all like to think we're a great leader, but are we really? Is the culture we're developing uh, appropriate to our business? Well, isn't culture something that's just relevant to big businesses? But surely I can apply somebody in my small business. It's very hard to translate, I think, a lot of those theories and practices that happen in large organizations down to the micro level of small companies where we've perhaps got 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 staff, that sort of size. So what I thought I'd do today is invite uh, an old friend of mine, George Blakeway, onto Saturday Strategy 2, try and help us to unpick this. George is uh, a real authority in the area of leadership and development, owns a company uh, that he runs uh, with his wife and their team uh, called the Fruitful Toolbox. And they they specialized in DISC and leadership and management training for a long time uh, now and uh, developed a very good reputation and um, quite high authority in that level and in that area. But, uh, but George's and his team have developed a really good tool, which we're going to go into a little bit during the show here. But George, I just wanted to get you on here and uh, try and help us to unpick this a little bit. George, welcome to Saturday Strategy. Thank you very much, Johnny. Thank you for having me. So George, tell us a little bit about what you're up to, what you've been up to, and and maybe you'd, you know, you've just heard what I was saying there about the challenge um, of, I think, unpicking this stuff and making it relevant to small companies. What, what's, what's your views and how do we, how do we maybe address that? Uh, it, it's a really interesting point you make, and, and I'm going to be really contentious right from the start, Johnny, and, and disagree with my host a little bit, only in a, in, a, in a positive way, in that I wonder whether in smaller businesses where you have got um, you know, 5, 10, 15 people, that, that culture is even more important because it's all-encompassing literally that is the culture whereas in some of the larger organizations that that we might work with the culture becomes more widespread it becomes almost a little bit thinner if that if that makes sense it's a collection of thousands of people doing stuff and inevitably that that becomes quite hard to put together in one culture so in an SME or in a smaller business I think it's fascinating 
um, because culture is is everything. You walk in the door and you immediately sense what's it like around here because of the half dozen people that, mm. that are operating in that environment. And I know we're all in some cases where perhaps we're not manufacturing or we're not in the room together. We're a little bit distant, but you can still get a sense for that culture in smaller organizations. Personally, I feel than in large organizations and culture is, is just everything. We spend so much of our time focusing on KPIs and so forth, but culture is, is, is everything. Yeah. And, and I think what about the, the ability to be able to change and be more nimble as well for a small company. If there is a, a change you want to make to con- culture, what's your views on that? Yeah, it, it's the old sort of, you know, oil tanker. We, how do we change the culture of a large bank? Well, it, it's almost not impossible, but it's difficult. Whereas in smaller organisations, it's, it's easier. However, I think the caveat of that is, is that in smaller organisations, what we often find is, is, is the owner, the founder, the person who's, who's often built up that business, who's emotionally invested in it, understandably, as you use the word family, which I think is a great, a great description. But what comes with that is that the sort of, you know, don't, don't tell me my baby's ugly. Don't, don't, don't tell me that my culture needs changing. Or, and, and the culture is, is me because I'm the one who's, who's built it or I'm the one who's, who's, who's very much leading it. And I think that's where the other challenge comes with with SMEs is is recognizing that culture needs to be thinking about the customer, the stakeholders, that the, the staff, everyone involved. Um, it's too easy for the culture to be dominated by by potentially the, the leader. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a real plus point that you can be really nimble and change things quick, providing the boss is willing to to have a little bit of an open mind as a leader in order to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, being, being an effective delegator is very hard when you've got, you know, people who perhaps been used to the the decision maker being one person in the business. So often I see is people sort of saying, yeah, I delegated that. They have to do it, but they don't actually make decisions. The, the member of staff still comes back and says, so what, you know, what do you want me to do about this boss? Or could you cast an eye over this before it goes out? And they, 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 it, it's a struggle to get people to be, you know, to act on their own. It is. And, and for those businesses out there that, are, that have grown, you, you go through these growing pains, don't you, where you are able as the boss and the owner and the founder to, to make decisions and to make things happen. But as the team grows from five to 10 to 15, suddenly you have to put in possibly another manager and a layer of, of kind of, it almost feels like bureaucracy, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And that makes life harder. Um, partly because the boss feels that they're losing control. But when you become bigger, you, you've got to have that little bit more governance, that little bit more process, that little bit more structure um, to, to get things done. And it, it, it is a bit of a, a nosebleed for some bosses because they, they feel that potentially they're, they're losing a little bit of, of control. Mm, okay. So, so you're great innovators at, uh, at the Fruitful Toolbox. I know that because we, we do a lot of work with you over disk and, and, and things and have done for a number of years now. Tell me about your thought process that's, um, that's been going on recently with the whole area of team management and team development then. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think we, we've all known that, that team is, is, is a word that we use a lot in in uh, in business. We use it a lot in sport. We use it in a lot of in any organisation. 
And I think we've all appreciated how important it is, but we haven't always invested the time in thinking about, well, what do we do about it? How do we, how do we develop this sense of being a family all focused on a common goal or all focused on trying to achieve things together rather than in silos or independently? So I think, I think we all know it's important, but we haven't necessarily been very good at thinking, well, what should we do differently? Um, outside of the, you know, let's go 10, 10 pin bowling once every six months. And, and there's a place for that. It's really important. But the, I think my feeling is that we need to invest a bit more time and thought in how do I get the most out of encouraging people to collaborate and to actually feel a sense of collectiveness that they're focused on the common goal and therefore supporting each other both emotionally but also potentially in terms of capability and, and, and resource. And the, the, that, that is even more important in smaller businesses, but it's also really important in any organization which needs to change. And we all need to change. And we've certainly learned that in the last 12 months. And the environment that we now operate in, and the, the VUCA environment, the volatile, the uncertain, the complex, the ambiguous, we're as leaders and as organizations, whatever size we are, we're having to cope with all this change and, and all this uncertainty and all this, well, we're not really sure what's coming. And I think the boss is under a bit of pressure because people are saying to them, what should we do, boss, or what's happening next? And of course, the boss has got to be quite humble and say, well, I don't really know. But at the same point, they can't be, well, I haven't got a clue because they're thinking, well, you're the boss. And if you haven't got a clue, then we haven't got any hope. So there's a real balance in, 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 in encouraging people to take responsibility and support each other and the leader still having an element of, uh, of input in that process. And I, I just have a feeling that we're, as we're becoming even more flexible in the way we're working, it's even more important to develop those relationships, even though they're perhaps less formal. So in the days when we might be all sat, you know, in the same room with the boss sitting next to them, with everyone, you know, in constant contact, that that's changing a little bit and we're becoming more fluid in the way we work. And therefore, it's even more important that there's a high levels of things like trust, communication um, and that people are able to, 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 to make the most of the diversity in the team rather mm. than just do one's job independently. Brilliant, brilliant. So, George, um, we've we've been looking at uh, the tool that you've just recently developed called the Team Performance Scan, um, which which is a brilliant innovation. And um, why don't you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, it, it was an interesting one. It, it, I'd like to say, you know, as a result of lockdown, we came up with this wonderful tool. Actually, the, the sort of germ to the idea started a few years ago when we were thinking and we looked around for, for tools to help us do the kind of diagnosis rather than just the, the, the let's do something. Um, because we wanted to help organizations and teams and small businesses actually identify what's going really well and which areas could we develop to improve performance. And the particular focus is on culture and team culture, not just the broader organizational culture, but very much the team. And I, I managed to disappear, um, thanks to my wife's permission, uh, about 18 months ago and took part in the Round the World Yacht Race, um, which is a team event. So it wasn't the single-handed version, it's, uh, it's a team. So there's 20 of us all crammed into a little 
little boat, uh, about a 70 foot boat. And um, that was almost like being on a, you know, I'm a celebrity in a, in a strange way, because I, I was able to observe teams in action under pressure and adding that to my experience of working with hundreds of teams from lots of different organizations, we thought, you know what, we've got something here that we think we can measure. And we, we sat down with a group of us, um, all, all team performance consultants, and we came up with a list of key themes that we felt were integral into teams that perform at the best. And we went out to the market, we went out to our customers, went out to lots of people and said, look, what do you think? What's your input? Pulled it all together. And we ended up, fortunately, it was 10. Um, we had quite debate over the 10, but we've come up with 10. And this simple scan, team performance scan, enables us to do some, some relatively simple diagnosis in terms of your organization's culture, focused particularly on how well do you perform as a team. Hmm. And it measures two, two elements, really. One is the kind of what I would call the process side. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a leader of a business, this might be the more transactional stuff that you do day to day. Who's doing what? Are you clear on your objectives? What's the plan for, for, for today, this week, next month? Um, where are we going in terms of strategy? Are we getting together and reviewing things every so often to see whether we're working? And then on the other side was the more behavioral stuff. So it's more about... about you know, do people around here enjoy themselves? Um, how open and honest are they with each other? What's the levels of trust or respect? Or what's the levels of honest debate? Are they willing to challenge each other when they see something that could be improved? So someone once said to me, oh, you mean like the hard skills and the soft skills? And you could describe it like that. But we've always said the soft skills, for many people, harder to do than the hard skills. Um, particularly where perhaps in smaller organizations, there hasn't been necessarily the sophistica sophistication of all the development and learning and stuff that you might get in some larger organizations. So it was even more important to recognize that we need to think about these things without you know, holding hands and lighting joysticks and making, making people feel uncomfortable with, with some of the soft stuff. It was absolutely crucial to performance. And when you look at you know, you look at your favorite sports team that is performing at its very best, they get the technical bit right, but they focus a lot of energy on the cultural bit, on the soft skills, on the behaviors too. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. We, we named our company Good to Great. And right at the very beginning of the, um, of the book, Jim Collins talks about having the right people on the bus. And, uh, you know, and it's just as importantly having the wrong people off the bus, but making sure you've got that team um, Right, so it's you know it's first the team and then it's the what, so uh, you know so it's, you get it's the right... an interesting one. Yeah, the, the people often say to me, you know, for you, George, what is the absolute key for for a high performing team? And, and the honest answer is is, and I have to be careful when I say this because of the job I do. But recruitment does play a part. Mm -hmm. You know, it's finding the right people in the first place. Let's not let's not shy away from that. But we often. Um, forget that it's it's recruitment's one thing but we can unleash so much potential if we get the development bit right the support the learning and and so forth 
Yeah. And I think for a lot of those key roles, you know, it's that make or buy decision, isn't it? Do I go and buy a senior skilled person or do I take somebody within my team and actually invest in them and develop the skills for them and take them up to that, to the right level. But of course that takes time and money and everything else to invest into an individual. Um, have we got the, have we got the internal skills and the resources to be able to achieve that? Yeah, it is a balance. Um, and, and, and there's no simple answer to that. It, I, for me, it depends how fast you want to move, but you go and buy someone and they're still not guaranteed necessarily just because they've had a big job somewhere else necessarily to perform or indeed stick around. Yeah. Or they, um, might, just, or they might not fit culturally. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we developed this, this, this tool, which helps us actually measure these 10 themes through collecting data uh, across some questions based on each theme. And it's been fascinating because it's generated uh, a lot of insight, first of all, in organizations where they identify their strengths. And actually, they're quite surprised that the, the feedback from the team is, gosh, you know, they're, they're saying good stuff here. Mm. So when you say they identify them, this is the team actually assessing and feeding back on the on the strengths of these individual areas. Is that right? Yeah, good, good, good point. This just to make it clear how this works, the it, it's it's a tool that isn't just for the leader. It invites the team to give feedback about how they see the team as a collective and their role in it. So the whole team responds into it. The leader, if there is one, if there's a clear leader to the organization or to the team, they also respond into it. We then collect that data and present it in a very clever format that allows us to be able to understand where those strengths are and where those opportunities are. Mm. and, and I know we've spoken before where the interesting thing is, is sometimes you can get quite high scores, which is very encouraging. But of course, in today's environment, you need to constantly be, be evolving. You can't, you can't stand still because the competition or the market or someone will move something and, and suddenly you're stationary and not, not working. So um it's been it's been a really interesting 12 months since I finished the race. We've we've used lockdown to test it, to um, to trial it with lots of different organisations. And now um, over the last sort of three, four months, we've been much more uh, proactive in rolling it out and, and using it across our, uh, our customers uh, with really great results. Mm. So correct me if I'm wrong here, George, we're not just measuring where we are now. We're also measuring performance and um, performance change in the future, aren't we? So. Well, this isn't a one-off measure, is it? No, and that's important. I think when we started looking at this, we thought, great, we can identify what might need some help, but you can apply some. So if, let's let's take an example. If if some of the feedback comes from the, the, the group, from the team, that they're not entirely clear on the vision for the organisation, or they want some more clarity about the longer-term strategy. So you can do something about that and think that you've ticked the box. The danger is we know that new people join the team, time changes things, even the strategy might change. So what we've suggested is that you repeat this process over a, you know, it might be three months, every six months, whatever's appropriate. And depending on what you're doing in the organization to help it continue to, to develop and then carry on measuring it because it then plots a trend. And when you start looking at the trend, A, it might give you confidence that you're moving in the right direction. But the very fact that you're measuring it keeps people's focus on it because they almost want to kind of know, right, where are we now and what else can we do to keep the keep the journey? It's like you know, plotting your progress through the uh, through the premiership. 
Mm, very good. So we would maybe sort of do this once, think about some ideas and some thoughts about what we can do to improve the team, put those into place, and then come back to it three months or six months later and say, you know, to, to the team, say, what do you think now? Have we, have we improved? Have we ticked that box or not? And ask the team to answer that rather than the leader. Absolutely. And what else can we still do? Because when you when you work with them that first time, the chances are that you you would only try and identify two or three priorities. You know, there's an argument, isn't there, that there's no such thing as eight priorities because they can't they can't all be. So you identify two or three things maximum that you'll focus on and work on those and then measure three, six months later, has that had an impact? But then also then identify the other priorities now that are coming up as the next things to work on. So it, it, it's a sort of a very um, alive tool. It keeps it keeps you focused and keeps you thinking about what can we do on a transactional basis, i.e. process, and what can we do to continue to make this place even more successful, where people want to come to work, but also people don't want to leave the job. I don't mean at the end of the day, because we all have to go home and and uh, and recover but people don't want to leave the business because mm. as you said right at the start they feel part of a family they feel part of a culture that that makes them feel inclusive included and welcome and they enjoy mm. and i think one of the problems we have is that you know on day one everyone's really excited to start a new job aren't they and and they, they come in and their intention is to do a brilliant job. I've never met anybody who started a new job with the intention of doing it badly. So they start on day one with the intention of doing a brilliant job. And then, and then reality sets in and the day-to-day stuff sets in and, and, you know, some of the frailties are are exposed uh, and to them, some of the reality, if you like, and that they settle then into a, into a groove of mediocrity. Um, This, this helps to overcome that, I guess. It does. I think, I think it does. It helps people realize that this isn't, ongoing journey you cannot stop the other interesting thing which i haven't thought so much about that you've prompted me to think about that is that new person joining a culture um first impressions make a big difference and if if the organization if the if the company can go you know this is how we want to do stuff around here and this is how we want to treat people and this is how we actually want to 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 get the job done and perform it's even more important that when someone walks through the door that they feel that and okay, there might be the odd teasing and can you go and get me some elbow grease and, and, and so forth. But fundamentally, you want them to realize straight from the word go that this is a great place to work. Mm. And therefore, having this as a framework, which reminds people that, you know, this isn't just about being measured. It's about doing it every day. It's about if we said that actually we were going to respect people's opinions, even if sometimes we 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 have a different one then let's do it day, day to day. Let's not, um, you know, behave differently to the, to the, to the concept that we all agreed was, was important. Yeah. One of the other things I quite like about it, George, is the, is the way it contrasts the team response with the leader's response. So it's a nice reality check for us as a leader, isn't it? To say, you know, am I deluding us? Am I deluded in what, where I think we're good or bad, you know? And, and, and yeah. sometimes, sometimes I think the team tells you you're better than you think you are. And sometimes it does the opposite, doesn't it? it's funny enough that happened exactly not long ago where we we undenied what to call we recognized that actually enjoying being at work was important now we know we don't always enjoy it we know that there's pressures there's stresses there's difficulties but by and large we want people to be content at work satisfied happy and we debated what should we call this theme and we ended up why don't we just call it happiness because Mm. okay it sounds a bit 
you know, let's all hold hands. But it, it is what we're trying to say. So let's be bold and, and do it. And it, that kind of concept about do people want to be there is an important is an important measurement. Um, and I, I agree that uh, this 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 culture of people actually being invested in how things are done is, a, is, is one of the things that comes out of this tool because people kind of get to have a say or have an input into that. Yeah. I mean, they're quite, they're very sort of subjective things, things like happiness, aren't they? So asking these sort of questions and actually then putting some measures to it, you're putting sort of quantitative measures against sort of subjective qualitative type measures aren't you you are and inevitably and this is where a little bit of help from for, from you or i come comes in sometimes is that it does need a little bit of interpretation i.e it's for discussion and it's diagnosis and discussion it shouldn't be immediately assumed so often if there's a low score what we like to do is ask more questions and and, and explore rather than make assumptions well it's because of this um just to just to go back to the happiness we had a score where the leader, the leader would put quite a low score, but the rest of the team put quite a high score. And we came to the conclusion that the team were all going out after work for a beer, but just not inviting the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so okay. yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a fun a fun experience putting it all together. I've had a lot of help from from colleagues and friends and and lots of other clients and companies that have had an input. And um, you know what? It, it's working, and that's mm. um, that's the most important thing. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, George. Very valuable tool. Um, so just in sort of summing up, we're about we're about kind of out of time. But just summing it up, then what what to you as sort of the real highlights then of of the team performance scan and the benefits it can bring to a small company? I think it, it forces us to stop for a second and do a little bit of where are we? Um, and that helps people focus in on what things can be improved. It also gives your staff a chance to have a little bit of a say to, to not in a negative sense, but identify what's working and what could still be better. And providing you're willing to act on that, then, wow, it's also a fantastic way of genuinely improving the performance of the team and therefore the results of your organisation. Brilliant, George. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, coming and sharing that with us today. Um, George, I think we might just add a... a, a, a a sample of this um, report onto the onto the show notes so people can take a look at it but um and obviously you know we're going to be promoting the uh, it's a tool that we use at good to great so that's 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 really good but if people wanted to find out more about team performance scan is there somewhere they can go and have a look or is there something they can um explore a bit more yeah absolutely the the website uh, www.team-performance-scan.com although you'll find it i'm sure if you just pump those three words in and uh, there's a website there that uh, describes it in much more detail and um, much probably much better than I have been able to over the, uh, the virtual airwaves. Um, but we'd be delighted to receive any um, any interest. And obviously, um, you know, we'd certainly recommend uh, yourselves. Good to great because you've been a wonderful um, uh, communicator and consultant to your organisation. So um, I'm sure you'll be able to use it yourselves as well. Yeah, we, have, we, we certainly are. Thank you very much, George. That's been really, really enlightening today. And thanks for your time and your knowledge. Thank you, Thank you very much. 
So that's it for Saturday's strategy. Thanks very much for sticking with us to the end. And thank you, George, for sharing your wisdom with us today. And we will be sending more information out. So if you're not on our mailing list, please do um, try and get on there. We're going we're to send out more information about team performance scan. It's a, it's a wonderful tool and a wonderful um, opportunity at a you know, very competitive price to be able to uh, um, put a barometer on your business for, uh, for your team performance. Um, if you've got any feedback or you want to reach out to me, you can use my WhatsApp number, which is 07977 And that is my personal number, so you'll get straight through to me. Thanks again. Until next time. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.